This is The Pool. I'm Ryan Coleman, your host, and this is episode 19. So this is The Pool. I haven't uh, checked in since I went to the Wakamakan a little while back. So I'm back, y'all. I'm back and back and I'm back, y'all. So uh, we're going to not do too much. This is kind of a check-in. Um, I'm Ray Combe, your host. Uh, hit me up at carefreeblacknerd.com, also bynkradio.com. Uh, a little bit of housekeeping. As always, check out um, Government Name Podcast on BYNK Radio. Check out uh, Sid Davis's program, uh, The Social Introverts, at the introverts, introvert <laughs> at bynkradio.com. Also, check out uh, Black Mary Fly over there at bynkradio.com. And check out me as well. <laughs> and I um, do currently have shirts available at bynkradio.com. Check out the store. There are carefree black nerd shirts. Look very nice if I do say so myself. Buy you a shirt, guys. You know, get one, put it on, go into the social medias, and tag me. Say, hey, look, I got my Carefree Black Nerd apparel. Uh, do that. Do that. I'd love to see who um, is out there wearing those shirts and uh, how fine y'all look. Because you know, once you put the shirt on, you become 30% more attractive and 50% smarter. That's science. <laughs> so please check that out. The link will be in the show notes for those of you who want to get your little t-shirt uh also i uh oh also i've been on my dope 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 amazing good friend of mine falu has an amazing podcast the get into it pod and i was on his show and this was a little while back so do forgive me but i am so happy that my friend allowed me to come on and talk some good shit with him not only was i on his show but we also have a show that we have together which is the my house is burning pod so go and check out falu's getting it getting getting to it pod episode 40 it's called my house is burning and we just talked about a lot of shit music tv shows and some you know pop culture stuff and whatnot check that out that link will be in the show notes as well and our show my house is burning it is a review over viceland's my house docu-series about the ballroom scene in new york city six members of that said culture kind of navigating their personal lives their ballroom lives and their future aspirations and dealing with kind of issues in the past good and bad and it's a really really good show and uh, our show is really good too so check that out if you haven't been doing so already this week uh the well last week the official kickoff of the carefree black nurse summer series cruel summer cbn if you will uh kicked out with carefree conversations which was the first installment of a new like show <laughs> as if i don't have enough already but i had the amazing uh dd come on and talk we just about games comics movies and good stuff i'm not really into games but he had a lot of shit to say on some games and I think if you are a gamer, <laughs> or at least aware of a lot of the stuff that he does, he talked about, it's really, really, I would behoove you to go and check that out. And also, anyone who wants to come on and have a carefree conversation with me, let me know. We can set some stuff up and have you on the next installment of that new program on the Carefree Black Nerd feed. 
Um, also, so yeah, so the summer series, what I'm doing is I'm taking a hiatus from Carefree Black Nerd proper and kind of putting out a few mini limited series over the course of the summer. You will be getting, you probably already got at the time of this recording's airing or whatever, whatever. what you're getting is Road to Wakanda Pod. This will be the second installment of the first semester of Road to Wakanda. You're going to get Keeping Up with the Jones, which is love, love, love the amazing conversation that I had with the fucking hardest working man in podcasting, Charnel, who has like a ton of goddamn shows. But we went and discussed the second season of Netflix and Marvel's Jessica Jones, which was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. So I I really like that. Please check that out. That'll be coming up pretty soon. We also have the My House is Burning pod, which officially started much earlier than the summer series but is bleeding right into it and it's part of it shit is my show i do what i want goddamn <laughs> so check that out with me and falu and then you also have the not quite living single <laughs> so that'll be coming up as well and then a few other shows here and there reviews and whatnot you know so yeah <laughs> check out that shit and uh let me know what you think uh, Carefree Black Nerd Proper will be returning fall-ish. Don't have a set date yet, but of course you'll know. You'll be the second to know after I know. And uh, so thank you all for that. And thank you all for everyone who's helped out. Oh, it's been such dope-ass people. Uh, and so, yeah, i got a few more plans coming up, but we'll I'll un- unveil them as they happen. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's that's that. Now, moving into kind of what I've been watching. I want to keep this kind of short and sweet just to kind of officially announce the Carefree Black Nerd Summer Series and go over a few comments. I just watched... I watched Deadpool. Thoughts? Really quickly. Well, me and... Uh, if you check out Carefree Conversations uh, Episode 1, me and Didi went over some thoughts on that as well, but I'll give a, a, a little bit here. When it comes to Deadpool, I thought it was a good movie. It was funny. It was interesting. I don't think there was enough focus on him being pansexual. I think we fridged uh, the girlfriend immediately, which was just dumb as shit. Um, Representation was great to a point, and I hated that. Um, I did not like that Negasonic Teenage Warhead, though she was coded as queer in the first film and now explicitly queer in the second film her girlfriend was very much a caricature uh had about one line and that was hi wade which okay she did some badass shit for a second but whatever then um zazie beats or zazie beats i think i've been saying her name wrong forgive me i butcher everyone's name um she was great and I wanted more than just her to survive. So, spoiler alert, she's the only one who really survives. It just, all in all, it was like, eh. And then it seemed to like the post credit scene undid the entire movie, which was like, what? What are you doing? Whatever. All in all, it's an interesting movie. I think it is. It's good. It could have been better. Um, I think the more you watch it, the less it's going to be enjoyable. No, that's just me. Um, let's see. I also watched Infinity War. Ah, again, finally. So when I was in Baltimore and I saw Infinity War for the first time, there was about 6,000 children in the theater, the same one with me. 
and it was laughter galore. And they're kids, so I get it. I just wish, oh, I wish I could have saw it at a, a different time, or they could have saw it at a different time. So some of the emotional beats were not met with the same weight that they would have because there was a lot of laughing and giggling and stuff. But I went and saw it again, and it was it was pretty cool. I do enjoy it. I, I see the critiques of Infinity War and where it could do better. But all in all, I do think to handle an ensemble cast that large and to have built up to this moment, there were some missteps, but overall, it was a pretty good film. And I would go see it a third, fourth, and fifth time because I just, I enjoyed it. I wish it was more Wakanda. I wish it was more Mbaku. I wish it was more Shuri. Those were the two. I Come on, those were the breakout stars from the damn first movie, the Black Panther movie. So I wanted more of them, but what we got was enjoyable. Um, what I realize now after seeing it for the second time is I really like the Scarlet Witch. Now, in the comics, again, I'm not 100% familiar with Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver lore and history, but I know a, a little something, something. And they are severely underutilizing fucking Scarlet Witch. And I know she has ill-defined powers, but this is your movie. You can do with it what you want. <clears throat> Seeing her fight both times, all times, both times, one in... I don't know, Scotland, where the fuck her envision was to begin with. And then to see her fight in Wakanda, I was like, why don't we use her more? Like, why? I, mm, it, mm, what am I trying to say? I don't know. She just, I really enjoyed Scarlet Witch. I enjoyed the fighting. I enjoyed her envision fighting together. Uh, a lot of people were angered about the Scarlet Witch vision kind of mashing up, pairing up or whatnot. But I'm kind of familiar with that from the comics. Like, that's something that I was aware of. So, for me, it didn't feel shoehorned in. It felt like, yeah, this is what happens. And, again, with such a large cast, you've got to kind of balance who gets what screen time or whatever. But I thought I thought it was they did it pretty well. Uh, and I'm speaking of, of course, Civil War. But now, speaking of the current Infinity War, watching her fight for her guy and then watching him, you know, fight, watching them fight to get that. Like, I don't know, something about that was endearing to me. So maybe I'm looking at it through rose-colored glasses or something. But I really enjoyed seeing Elizabeth Olsen as Scarlet Witch and the shit that she could do. And um, like I said, fighting in Scotland or Europe or where the fuck they were, and then fighting in Wakanda as well. It was just like, yeah, you're doing these gang signs and throwing out this red magic dust, but... I don't know, it was interesting, and I was like, man, they're, they're really scaling down her powers. I get the whole inexperienced part, but power is power. I could be inexperienced, but if I can bench press 4,000 pounds, that's still something I can do, inexperienced or not. Like, there should let me cut loose, and they just didn't do that. So, I, I hope she gets more shine in phase four. I really hope. Just use her to do a reverse M day and bring all the mutants into existence and let her be the sort of Charles Xavier, or even let her take over the role of Magneto in the sense that you're a, a, a villain or an, an anti-hero who has seen some shit. Because this vision shit is traumatizing, and I wasn't even fucking that nigga. She was. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens with her going forward. So kudos to you, Elizabeth Olsen, because uh, I really feel like they're under underutilizing her, especially when it's a woman. Like, I would prefer to see more of the Dora Milaje 
and black women and women of color in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, period. That goes without saying. But the woman, you have like two available women, right? Three, you know, counting Maria Hill, that you could be doing so much more with. And one of which you can do fantastical shit that just makes no sense, but it makes sense to her character. Why are you not using her? Like, don't dim her light because, you know, Tony Stark and them, like, mm, whatever. I liked it. Uh, as far as TV shows, of course, I'm watching Jessica Jones, and I'm also watching The Punisher. And I've said before, I'm kind of watching them together in tandem, though I'm watching Jessica Jones for the review of it all and Punisher just for leisure. I like watching them together to kind of flesh out this world because they're both dark and gritty heroes with dark and gritty storylines, and they both have a Mac series, which that's something to be said because I don't think... I'm sure there's others who have a Mac series. Maybe not. I should have Googled that. My bad. <laughs> but I know Jessica Jones began in the Mac series and Punisher has a Mac series. So it just makes sense to me that you would watch them together. It's it's giving me a really good story uh, watching it that way. And what else have I been watching outside of my house, which is so dope. Please check it out. If you're not into ballroom culture, but you're just into reality TV, I think it's worth it. Uh, the ballroom is a big part of it, but you really get into the personal lives of these people and in a way that I think the real world used to give you back in the day, like when it first started, before it became all this bullshit about seven people in the house and let me bring in their exes and their mamas and that, like all this shit, it, it gives you a peek behind the curtain when it comes to people who are just living their everyday life. They're not putting on for the camera. This is just what you do. So I really enjoyed that aspect of it. So if that's something that you like in your reality shows, it's not a lot of drama, it's not a lot of fighting. It's drama, but it's real world drama. It's not, you slept with my man, bitch. You better go or why you invite her to the party? Like it's not, it's, it, and there's a place for all that. I'm not, you know, downplaying trash reality TV because that's needed, you know. Somebody watches it, somebody consumes it, but this is a really good show. So please check that out. Um, I think we're going to wrap this up here. Uh, going to dive into this pool. It's a really short pool this week. And, uh, you know, just happy to be here, guys. Thank you all for listening. And uh, catch you after uh, the flip. <laughs> So this pool uh, for this week, I went to the comic shop, got, you know, my pool and everything and a few extras as well. Um, I got X-Men Blue, which was issue number 28. 
that's from Marvel Comics. I got Kino, uh, Volume 2, Issue 2, and that's from Catalyst Prime through Lion Forge. And I got Avid, Issue 5 from Boom Studios. Also, a Valiant High, Number 1. And this, I believe, is... Um, no, that's through Valiant Comics. I think this is the comic where all of the Valiant Universe characters are, like, in high school. So, excited to jump into that. Um, also from Marvel, I got True Believers number one, and that is Exiles, which has like Nightcrawler's black daughter or <laughs> black-looking daughter on it. Check that out. Uh, Star Wars Lando, Double or Nothing. This is issue number one. That's from Marvel as well. And then again from Marvel, <laughs> I got the Moonlight uh, number one trade, which is Moonlight Legacy, Crazy Runs in the Family. Really interested in diving into that. Um, as it pertains to the pool this go-round, I actually only read two other books, and that was Annual X-Men Red, which was the first annual, and Harbinger Wars 2 through Valiant. Now, starting off with uh, X-Men Red, this was... Now, there was a... Oh, God, my mind is blanking. There was a event or a mini series, limited series or whatnot that was covering what happened to Jean Grey, how, where she's been all this time, about her being dead but not really dead and the Phoenix Force and her separating. This annual picks up like right after that, but it does a really good job at tying into X-Men Red. I think what's done with this annual is what should be done with annuals. It's more of a kind of filling in the blanks of getting the team together and I really, really enjoyed it. The creative team on here is Tom Taylor as the writer, artist Pascal Alexi, Alex, Alexi, A-L-I-X-E. Again, y'all know I'm not good with names. Uh, color artist was Chris Sotomayor, and letterer is VCs Corey Petit, P-E-T-I-T. Um, now, this is a bit of a mm, divergent from the regular X-Men Red story. But again, like I said, it's taking you, it's connecting the series that came before, the little mini series that kind of brought Gene back from the dead to the X-Men Red series, which I think this is really, really good. And if you're going to read these comics in any order, you would read that first uh, mini series, limited series, read this X-Men Red annual number one, and then dive right into X-Men Red as the um, uh, 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 as the, at number one at the beginning of the story or you know don't read annual or you know just read it within whatever because if this was if we're thinking at it like a kind of a film or a series or something this is a very acceptable flashback and I do think it works a bit better after having read X-Men Red for a few issues so you read that first uh mm, limited miniseries where Jean Grey comes back from the dead and what that means dive right into X-Men Red and then maybe three or four or five issues into X-Men Red you jump into the annual so either way I guess would be good but this was a really solid solid story like I said they, the artwork for me initially it took some getting used to I wasn't it's not bad but aesthetically it's not something that I would gravitate towards but after reading this story um, I could forgive it. I don't like the way 
Jubilee is drawn. She looks like a very old woman, but that's one panel, so it is what it is. Um, pretty much it's Jean. Oh, there's this very good scene between Jean and Old Man Logan, and I, oh, I, I, I fucking love it. So after Jean is like, we're 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 reading this from her point of view, and she's those moments after everything happened and how she felt everyone was scared of her, and she was like that moment lasted for like ten seconds. And she said all her haze and how y'all doings and shit. Then she gets around to speaking with old man Logan. Let me read all this word for it. Her internal monologue says, there was a familiar face with a completely foreign mind. Now, her and Logan are looking at each other. And she says, you're, you're from somewhere else. Yes. <laughs> That's my Logan impression. You're not him. No. And you're not her. What do we do now? And she says, I guess we could start with introductions. I'm Logan, just not yours. And she says, I'm Jean. I was never yours. When I tell you, I said, this bitch, no, she, she didn't have to cut him down like that. Because clearly he was, be, I, like, I don't, I'm sure the writers didn't mean this in some shady way. But I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at this, just like, ah, oh, she got that nigga, ah, <laughs> you thought. But no, but it, it was a very touching moment because, again, knowing about Old Man Logan's history and about him essentially killing off the X-Men and dealing with the, the sins of his past and his timeline, you know, he's saying, I'm Logan, just not yours, in the sense that I'm not the same Logan. But, I mean, she acknowledged that in the beginning, saying that you're from somewhere else. And then thinking of Logan's point of view, having to meet this woman again for a third time, so in his own timeline, you know, you've you've killed the one of the loves of your life. You come to this timeline, and then you meet Time Displaced Gene, the original Gene. Then you meet the actual, still real Gene. It's like, man, this man can't get a break. Um, and I'm not following the hunt for Wolverine storyline going over. He's come back out of his adamantium shell. I'm just, I'm not interested. It's too much. It's convoluted. It's too much going on. Listeners, if you are, fill me in, school me. Let me know which story I could read that would actually just get me straight through it. Because I don't, I'm not interested in all this extraness. Uh, but I bring him up to say that now we have Old Man Logan. We have original Gene back from the dead. Now we have Wolverine Logan back from the dead. Our current timeline Wolverine. It's like this, this shit could get interesting, especially since Scott is dead. Um, and then speaking of Scott, I'm going to skip ahead a bit in the book. So Jean is going through, you know, meeting everyone and, and saying whatever. And she, Kurt takes her back to the Xavier School, which is now in Central Park, which, you know, she's, I really like the way this is written because it, it, it gets you right into her head and it, it makes you like, hmm, let me see how can I say this. I've never been a Jean Stan. Um, I've always accepted her as one of the X-Men. Uh, she seemed to be a bit overrated, all this Phoenix stuff and all this whatever. But then again, that may be a product of me being introduced to her through the comics as a child, but really learning and knowing her in the animated series where she was pretty much useless. And then kind of getting back into the comics where I can see the significance and how important she is, but I'm just really not a stand. Now, I do like her and I like the way she's written in X-Men Red. That's really making me um, want to know more about her. But this annual, she does something where she comes in and talks to Rachel, which is her child from another timeline. 
So Rachel's part of X Men Gold currently, and you know they talk psychically. Uh, they don't say much. They fly around the city. And then we move on to her going to meet with X twenty three, the new Wolverine, Laura Kinney. Well, not new. She's been Wolverine for a while, but and after that, and she meets Gabby, and you know that's cool. She kind of fans out, but then she. They leave, they being Jean, Gabby, and Laura, to go deal with some issue somewhere in New York. And she says, and I can't find the exact panel, but she says something to the effect of, I'm here with the children of the two men that I love. Like something in that was so romantic, so artistic, so dark, because those two men are dead, though we do have old man Logan, he don't count. Those two men are dead. Those two men are men she loved. Those two men, like, things are the offspring of those men. Like, it's just, it was written really well. Uh, then we fast forward a bit more, and you get a tie-in from the crap that happened with uh, Scott being, I don't know, killed by the Terrigen Mist and all this other shit. But they address that here where it's like, Gene speaks with Black Bolt and... First of all, they get to fighting because, you know, whatever. It seems like she come to whoop his ass. But she's like, no, I'm here to forgive you, to, uh, you know, help us find peace or whatever. And I don't know how I feel about that because if I was Gene, nigga, you killed my husband, the motherfucker I've been in love with since the 60s when they paired us up, I'm going to fucking rip your throat out your neck. But I get it, and it did make sense with her character and with the comic. And the very last, not the last panel, but... When they're speaking uh, telepathically, he's scared to speak. And she's like, it's okay, you can communicate. Because for those of you who don't know, Black Bolt has like, I don't know, God's voice. This nigga has like vocal cords of a demolition man. Like one small whisper can level an entire city. So he's and taking a quick tangent. I think Black Bolt is a character that Marvel has seemed to have gotten right. Because I'm not 100%... Uh, familiar with inhuman lore or really that interested but Black Bolt is a character that they have set up in a way that even someone who's not familiar can see the vast weight of his power when I first was introduced to him and this was back oh god a couple years ago when I first got back into comics and I didn't even know what the fuck inhuman was I was like the hell is this shit uh in the first panel I saw the first book I saw with him he was on a, a some planet fighting some shit and he like refused to speak and then I think he spoke a whisper in the final panel and it was so the text inside the word bubble was so small to emphasize that this word that he's saying ain't even shit and just killed these motherfuckers I was like god damn like that's that's really good Storytelling because I don't know at the speaking of me at the time don't know what his powers is but I do completely understand that he is extremely powerful and it has to have something to do with his voice it was just so good um, that being said that kind of speaks to the power of Jean as well because she's like okay yeah we're you can speak in my mind and so they speak in the like telepathic thought bubbles but then they get to the very end which I'm going to spoil it for those of you who haven't read it but they get to the end and she merges them together in a sense. So kind of taking a step back when they first go onto this psychic plane 
She says, it's okay, you can communicate here. You can communicate, I can hear you. He says, what is this? She said, this is my mind. So they're in her mind. Then she, she, Jean, shows him all of the shit she's done over the years with her friends, her being in love with Scott and whatnot. And they talk about the tear gymnast. And now they have a conversation and she says, um, um, well, I was going to give you all the pain that you gave me, but that doesn't help either of us. We're going to need to rely on each other. That starts here. He says, what do you need from me? She says, I need you to speak, Black Bolt. He says, I can't speak. Again, this is still in her mind. She says, you can use my voice. Say it. These two images of Black Bolt and Gene are kind of superimposed on one another. And he says, I'm sorry. But he uses an actual, his heart voice. It's just, it's very cinematic. The way that this was presented was very cinematic. And I was just, I got chills. I was like, oh, God, this is so fucking dope. So, uh, and I'm not one who is like a big fan of Jean, but this one, the original miniseries that like brought her back from the dead that just happened a little while back. That was good. I really enjoyed that. Then we move on to X-Men Red, which I've really been into. Like I said before, I Astonishing X-Men has been the only X-Men book that I've just been diehard. Like everybody has to read this shit. X-Men Red, I won't go that far to say everyone has to read it. But I have been enjoying it, and it has given me um, some appreciation and love for Gene. But then this annual, like, oh, they kind of, like, I don't know. Listeners, if you have read X-Men Red Annual number one and you like it, let me know. If you don't like it, that's fine, too. Let me know. Carefree Blurred on Twitter. Use the hashtag CBMPod. I would really like to hear someone else's thoughts. I fucking loved this. Um, but then there's like an after credit scene where there's some shit going on. I don't want to spoil that because it kind of ties into X-Men Red and I've spoiled enough with this annual, but this was fucking good. Like even with, like I said before, the art is not my aesthetic. I wasn't a hundred percent in, but the story was so good and the art complimented the story. It was just like, you couldn't do wrong with this story. It could have literally just been a book, been a novel, a prose book. And this would have still been good. This was a really, really good story that tied in a lot of different um, storylines and and books. And this is what I think kind of the epitome of X-Men is. It's like retcons. Because I would imagine that we had the miniseries and then we had X-Men Red. And then when addressing the annual, it was like, because you didn't have to, like, her assembling the t- her being Jean, assembling the team, we didn't need that. Like, X-Men Red is still good, but to get that assembling of the team and right off the heels of Jean coming back from the dead, that was a good way to approach this annual, and then it's one of those things that feels just like a very down-home traditional X-Men book in the sense that it just, it fits with canon. It doesn't feel like it's... um something that's mandated by editors like you need to do x y and z it feels very smooth it flows i like it you know so (laughs) after all that praise if you don't like it please still let me know i still want to know what don't you like about it or if you do hell what do you like about it who's your favorite character what's your favorite kind of vignette of a scene like what what did you enjoy the most uh so moving right along going on to valiant uh i'm also reading harbinger wars 2 
the reason being, I'm trying to get into the Valiant universe. I wasn't really interested before because, you know, I was like, okay, DC Marvel is safe. I know what I'm getting. But I was like, fuck it. Let's branch out. Let's do other things. So within getting to the Valiant universe, I picked up Ninja K. Loved, loved, loved that first run. I'm currently collecting the, the second run or whatever, the, the current run. Um, and then there's a chick in there named Livewire, and I am in love with this woman. Black woman who's a scion. What is she? Scion. That's it. She can telepathically interface with technology, which is like oh, dope as fuck. So I read Harbinger Wars, kind of the zero issue, and I loved it. Didn't know that there was, well, I did know that there was a first Harbinger Wars, but I'm, I'm one who, when it comes to comics and when it comes to television series and movies and stuff, I like to get it from the beginning. Even if we're on season seven of whatever, I'd like to get it from the beginning to see the progression. And I didn't want to go into Harbinger Wars 2 at all, and so I read Harbinger Wars 1. Well... I picked up the zero issue just off of like, okay, let me just at least skim through it or at least have it physically so that when I'm done with Harbinger Wars 1, I can go right into this. This book is fucking good. Like, it is... I'll always compare things to X-Men and Mutants, man, because that's just... That's my childhood. That's how I grew up is reading those characters. And it's not a comparison to say this is worse or better than, but just kind of a, a point to... um what am I trying to say? Like a benchmark of like what I like. Okay, so I like, you know, Chris Claremont story takes me in. And does this kind of give me that same feeling? Or, you know, that's kind of how I approach other comics, especially when it's something that's similar to X-Men. Uh, Harbinger Wars 2 is shaping up to be a dope-ass run, series, book, whatever. And I am now deciding to not read Harbinger Wars 1 or to read anything past like the Ninja K that I'm reading now because in this story we're getting like okay we're getting Livewire we get some nigga named Peter Stanchek, the Renegades Bloodshot, G-A-T-E XL Man of War Ninja K, like we're getting all of these characters and this is an exciting thing for me because with Marvel and DC, I pretty much know the lore. There's things that I have to research, stuff I have to look up. But for the most part, I understand what's happening. And I'm familiar, at least visually, with most of the people. With Valiant, it, that's not the case. So this is like an exciting thing to me to dive down this rabbit hole of what is Valiant? What do they do? Who are these people? What are their stories? Like, I can get into Valiant as a fresh, new, no continuity history weighing me down and kind of just move around. Ninja K was such a dope ass book that I had to get into the Valiant universe. Like it was an absolute must because I, it was done so well that even if the other books aren't as well or don't meet that um, level of, I don't know, execution, it's still worth the look. Um, like Faith. Faith, the um, heavy said white woman who I would imagine is like a Superman analog almost. I've never been interested in her, but she's in Valiant and she's in this book, this particular issue. And now I want to know more about her. And it's just, I don't know. Good, good job, Valiant. You motherfuckers are getting it. So with this one, we're coming up off the um, off the events of the zero issue where Livewire. Essentially, what happened is Syats, these people who I'll 
likened to mutants, just because, again, this is my benchmark, but people with, with different supernatural abilities. Um, a few were exposed. The government came after them, did some type of registration thing. Um, and then there's a guy named Peter Stanchek who can uh, release psionic powers in latent powers within humans. Livewire, I think her name's Angela, she was called into this like super secret FBI, CIA, whatever. She, because she could communicate telepathically with um, with technology, she's able to read emails, uh, iMessages, fucking any, anything, anything dealing with technology, just like, su- not subconsciously, um, uh, passively. Uh, but there are these things called block. I don't know the exact terminology. Again, I'm new to Valiant, so don't bite my head off. If I'm saying anything wrong, please tweet me, Carefree Blurred, and let me know. Use the hashtag CBNBot. But they have these things that block her particular abilities. And so she goes into this building, don't, you know, can't see shit or whatever. Ultimately finds out that they're keeping her there, talking, trying to kill off or capture the the little team that she has and it's not a team to like fight or kill nothing it's just that we're being hunted we're trying to be safe and uh the shady government group is killing them she kind of hacks into this video camera that's in the corner of the room uh learns all this shit send out a, a a warning message where essentially and this is going back to my um my, the review before about my feelings on black boat not being aware of him, but understanding through those couple panels that I saw him in for the first time, how immensely powerful he is. Livewire, this motherfucker. Now, before I get into what happened in the book, I'll say I did see her appear in Ninja K's first run for, I think, an issue or two, or she did a couple things, and I didn't understand who she was, but I got that she, you know, had some shit with technology. This motherfucker gets so angry she pretty much sends the world into a complete and total blackout. I mean, to the point where there are satellites falling from the sky at Earth like missiles. Like, the shit is just dope as shit. The way that they drew it, the way that it's the story's told. And it's just like, she's she's like, I'm, I'm done. Like, niggas, I'm tired. Y'all motherfuckers are hunting us for four. You hunting kids. And I'm supposed to just sit around and be okay with this? Like... Oh, Livewire is a badass motherfucker, and I will be covering her on a Carefree Black Nerd issue. I don't know when, but once I get more understanding of uh, Livewire under my belt, yes, we will be going deep into her and her history, because this, oh, I just, oh, I got chills. So, um, yeah, those are my fools. Like I said, I had a, a lot of books. I didn't read all of them. I'm still kind of going through them, but Harbinger Wars 2 and X-Men Red Annual number one was like, I couldn't put them down. Like I, I, I went through them several times because they were just that good. And so because I had such a reaction and such an emotional reaction to both books, I was like, oh, these are, I have to discuss these goddamn books. And that's that. <laughs> so um, thank you. Thank you for joining me on this installment of The Pool. Make sure to check out the Carefree Black Nerd Summer Series, Cruel Summers DBN, uh, going on through June and July, and then Carefree Black Nerd Proper will pick back up in the fall.
Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, other books that I need to be reading, books that you you know think I should be checking out, characters I should be looking into, even um, other comic book companies, because I don't want to stick to just Marvel, DC. I do the Image, I do the Boom, I do I do different independent stuff, but I don't. It just I'm I'm always open for suggestions, or even if it's part of the big two, let me know if it's something that you think I should be reading or checking out. Any movies or TV shows or something that you're watching this summer, and you're like, hey, check this out, because I just uh, tweeted about Claws, and it looked like a good show, but I was like, oh, I don't know, but I do love Niecy Nash, but I don't know if this would be good, so let me know if there's something I should be watching. Uh, all that being said, we will keep this conversation going. Make sure you email me at carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com. Check out my shirts. Carefree Black Nerd has t-shirts at bynkradio.com um, in the store. Uh, hit me up on Twitter, Carefree Blurred. That is probably the quickest way to get in touch with me. Jump in them DMs. Uh, make sure you follow me on Instagram, Carefree Black Nerd. Like pictures, comment, talk to me. Let me know what's up. Look at them stories and stuff. And visit carefreeblacknerd.com as the hub for all things Carefree Black Nerd. And until next time, I'll catch you on the same nerd time, same nerd station, and I'm out.